0: Journalism is changing. With smartphones, it seems like anyone can capture any viral moment. From police brutality to the largest political protests, there's always something to capture. So how do journalists navigate through this world of content? Meet Jorge Ventura, a young and upcoming journalist breaking some of the biggest stories through on-scene reporting. He's covered the 2020 protests and riots sparked by police brutality, the presidential campaign trail, and the decimation of the restaurant industry under lockdown in California. I sat down with Jorge for this episode of The Sit Down to discuss independent media, the restaurant industry, college journalism versus the workforce newsroom, and being a versatile multimedia journalist. Welcome to The Sit Down. All right, my name is Jamie Joseph. I'm editor-in-chief and co-founder of Scriber, and we are... Subscribers sit down today I have Jorge Ventura reporter for the daily caller um Jorge introduce yourself
1: um right now uh yeah field correspondent for the daily caller uh you know reporting on politics and just really anything honestly all the all the crazy stuff so yeah field correspondent daily caller that's pretty much it right now <laughs>
0: awesome Jorge and I are really good friends um met last year in like April right? Yeah, um, yeah. You were one of Scriber's first contributors, which is awesome. Remember Back when you? life was normal. When life was normal. Yeah, yeah and you pre-pandemic. Were, you were writing articles, and you hated them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I still do, I still do. <laughs> so nothing's <laughs> changed, nothing's changed.
0: Yeah, but that's crazy. I mean, since then, I feel like, you know, you've come a long way, and think a lot of people have noticed that too but I kinda just want to start from the beginning a little bit I know you're probably tired of talking about this over and over no, and no. over again but I just think the it's the great. transition from you know being a sports reporter at College of the Canyons you know your community college to you know being in D.C. now kind of covering more national news is really interesting and inspires a lot of young journalists so go ahead and just talk a little bit about that
1: uh yeah so I th- um I think when I was um 21, I finally like went back to community college. So, you know, how like basically after high school, everyone goes to college. Mm-hmm. I like did the opposite. So I went and um, I worked just like random sales jobs. And I think that actually kind of helped for journalism in a way. Because, um, you know, with sales, it just teaches you how to talk to different people, um, how to like kind of get what you want in a way. Because, <laughs> you know, you like have to close a sale. It teaches you kind of how to how to like develop leads and like follow up call back mm-hmm. um so did that from 18 to 21 did like all types of sales did at um you know from insurance of aflac to just even selling gym memberships from you know at a local gym in palmdale to uh doing like cell phone stuff with like sprint and t-mobile and at&t uh so then you know eventually just got sick of uh you know just working those types of jobs so i went back to school i was still working those, those types of jobs when i went to school but um around that time i was just you know strictly uh gonna go for sports that's i was obsessed with sports i didn't um i didn't like politics at all i thought it was like super boring um i thought like the news was boring so i thought like i don't know i just thought like you're we were like, just like a bro yeah like i thought <laughs> i thought um i thought like local news was corny like i thought the anchor mm. like i don't know i just thought yeah. it was just weird and this i thought it was too serious and i i kind of just wanted to do like the sports thing do um not, like, even, like, Barstool Sports. I wanted to go to ESPN and, like, Fox Sports or, like, you know, do that type of thing. Be, like, the guy on the sidelines and then have my own show. So I thought that, that that's what I was going to do. Um, so, yeah, I went to – started going to school at a, at a, at a community college. It's the College of the Canyons in Valencia. And the good thing, at least, about that, the, my school was that um, they at least taught you how to, like, report and do everything, like, on your own. So you have to shoot the story on your own. You have – so that's already a process because you learn how to, like, work a camera – um, you know, you, go, you, you have to shoot the story on your own. You have to do like your own stand-ups. These and then packages. after that, you have to like edit right. it and voiceover. So they, it was a good process because they, they, they just teach you how to do that. And like, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's just a solid, it's a solid basis. So learn how to do that. And, uh, you know, during that time, I was just covering, you know, like all the local sports. Like um, in Santa Cruz, there's a lot of ton of like high school football. So like on the Fridays and Saturdays while everybody was out having a great time. I was watching fifteen year olds play football <laughs> and just covering there literally no one was you know I would I would upload them for College of the Canyons. And I think like it'd have like twenty five views, so mm-hmm. I was just doing that, and I was kind of getting good at it, uh, like the sports stuff, so I think my uh, that's when my professor pulled me to the side, and he was like, "Hey, I think you should start reporting on news and learning learning how to storytell. you then bring those skills back to sports mm-hmm. and um so. Basically, um, started doing that. So, we, you know, I started listening to like the scanner a lot in Valencia. So, we did a lot of like, you know, we would report like crime stories. So, I think in Valencia, we had a lot of just, just always things like just popping up. So, we had crime uh, happening in Valencia that I would cover. Um, and then, during this whole time, too, I think this is like an important thing to talk about because um, I was already like just working overload. So, I think I already, I know I've said this a bunch of times, Mm -hmm. but for for the first time. So it was like for us, it was like every three weeks you would have uh, one story due. I would do it uh, every three weeks, I would would do three. So I would basically just times three what everyone else was doing. So during that whole time, I'm doing this. And um, I know I'm like rambling here, but I just was just covering a bunch of like local stuff going all over the place. We had like the local fires Mm -hmm. in California, covered that um the migrant caravan in 2018 we went to like to mexico and covered that we were just kind of covering anything and everything um it then like the school shootings came around so like i covered a school shooting at uh, highland high school which is in palmdale um two two kids got shot no one died but that was like my first time covering breaking news pause on that really quick because
0: i know that that's kind of a an interesting tidbit there because weren't you at work when that that happened yeah, yeah I, was, and then, I was working then, at T-Mobile still and then you just can you describe what happened yeah there? so
1: it was like a, I believe it was like a Wednesday morning and like we had a we had a early more uh, early morning meeting in T-Mobile and I, I believe like we were all having the meeting and as we're having the meeting you could like all of my employees and myself like all of our phones just started ringing with like news mm-hmm. alerts and they already knew I was a student journalist so like one of my employees like was like hey there's a shooting right here in, at Highland and um, during this time, at, we thought, um, during this time, even the news thought that there was multiple shooters at multiple schools. And then this was during the era, I think it was like 2017, 2018, when there was like, we had like that string like of a just, string of yeah, strings, so it was, yeah. it looked like it felt almost like a war zone because even now you, you just stared outside the T-Mobile store and there was cop cars going both ways, like to, to multiple schools. So I was freaking out because my sister w- was out of high school during that time. And I remember I just looked at my store manager, I was like, hey, I'm out of here. Like I, I I don't even care if I get fired. So I ran all the way home, took my T-Mobile shirt off, and just changed it into like a more like newsy outfit, you know, like college mm-hmm. shirt, whatever. And then yeah, I went to the school. The school was like less than a mile from my house. So it was just weird because that was the first time, uh, now looking at it, it was like the first time where I was going into a store and then like everyone was like leaving it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, like so you were the only one. Going yeah, in. so that was my first time covering breaking news and then i uh, kind of posted that to that was like my first time also using like insta story like i always used insta story to report news but that was like my first time using insta story to, to do breaking news right. and then the feedback i got was amazing so after that i was like i just started to uh, lose like interest in sports and then around this time too, i landed a big internship with uh with like telemoon and NBC sports which is already a, a, at that time is it still is it's like a hard internship to get like mm-hmm. thousands of kids apply for that that one um, from like all over like all over the, the country and like they only accept like 10 kids per semester so um, like I was I was already at like, a super rare internship and I was doing really good and then, and it was just weird just going through that feeling of like man like like am I doing the right thing like am I supposed to follow this route just because I'm good at it you know like I started to like lose interest in sports but it was like I was so far in like I knew that kid, kids were dying to be where I was at I was like interviewing the Rams too at the time. They, they like mm-hmm. finally gave me field access and they let me like go by myself. So like I was interviewing the, like I was in the locker room with like next to ESPN guys already. So I was already like getting really close to like, you know, basically already, you know, could could, could basically already work for them after that or, or just, you know. So I was like already at the finish line and just quit and started over from, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stu- do breaking news and, and politics and uh, started from, zero. I didn't know what like a Democrat, Republican was. I think this was like in 2018 still. Mm-hmm. So... Trump was already president for now two years. Yeah. Um, so I was already um, just like w- was was getting out of it. I think my sports producer, too, I think my, my last week, my internship was like, hey, man, you're fantastic. We love you. He said, but your, your biggest flaw is like, we can see that you can't decide between being like a sports guy or a political guy. So he's like, mm-hmm. until you can decide, uh, he's like, that's that, that's just going to be your biggest flaw. So it's just been a crazy, it was just like a crazy uh you know, adjustment for me, but um, it was it was unique. I think it was a, a unique uh, little, little uh, detour I went through.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool how, you know, you kind of like paved your own way to be this independent journalist. I mean, even though, like you said, you were in that media program in your college, you were doing more than everybody else, and you were doing stories without being told to, and I think that's huge now. I mean, I wish when I was a student journalist in college, you know, I was I was a staff writer and editor-in-chief at our media company, too, and I I wasn't even, like, thinking that way then. I wasn't thinking, oh, I should go out and cover local news in the area. I was just, like, so zoned in on, okay, I'm going to get my campus stories done. Right, right. I'm going to just focus on doing the, the campus broadcast stuff and kind of just keep it simple and just get through. It wasn't until um, after I graduated where I realized like I really put a box around myself. So I think it's like super unique that you talk about this a lot and I hope that that gets out to more people because I think a lot of young journalists when they get out they don't have enough work to get a job now. They only have campus news. They only have really kind of soft stories, but it's those hard-hitting pieces like your c- local crime, fires, yeah, and um, I think um, robberies, stuff like that, that's going to get you noticed for at least an internship. Yeah, yeah, know?
1: and I think the big, mis- the, the big mistake, um, I think, like, just 99% of, like, the student journalists make, and I think just because of, like, the way the college system is, for, for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. I think, is when you're in college, you start, you still look at yourself like a student journalist. So you okay. wait for like the school to sign you stories or you just take on like the school stuff. You don't mm-hmm. like Expand. think, out, yeah. And I think, um, a big thing for me was like, even like I said, even at community college, I knew I was like, Hey, if I just like go crazy with like all these stories, I'll have a crazy online resume. And mm-hmm. by the time that it comes to present inter- internship, I will be, I've already differentiated myself from the crowd so much. For sure. And I think. Um, I think that's a big thing that, like, I would, like, I really want to get, get, like, just bang it into student journals. Because, like, you got to, like, start just being that reporter now. Mm-hmm. Don't wait for the school. Um, social media is, like, your best friend. And yeah. you have to, like, you could really, you know, we, we live in a unique time. You could, like, st- like, tell your story on social media. And the, the, the crazy thing is, is is you don't even need to start off and be, like, already professional. People actually love to see, like, the progression. They like to see mm-hmm. you lose and win. And so it's a it's 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 a unique thing. The only thing is, um, you know, we're we're young, so it's like a lot of young people, like their social media, they still want to upload it for personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when they go to the clubs, they like upload them going to yeah. the club. I think that's like a big mistake. Like I I, I took that out. I think I like 2018, I like just ch- I just changed everything, and like um, it's a huge difference. Like social media is your best friend. Like don't wait for the school. That um, and then friend. the thing is, is um, like I read I read a book. Uh, it's called uh, from Grant Cardone. It's called 10x. And what he does is, it, the, the, the crazy thing is, that's why I like being in sales first, and I think that what gives me advantage is like in sales, everything, like let's say you work a week at, like, a, at, at a gym, the, everything that you do in that week is going to be in a chart numbers, how many calls did you make, how many deals, like everything is numbered, like we, mm-hmm. your, your, your production, you could see it. And in this book, Grant Cardone, what he says is if, if let's say like on Monday, your job was to like close or schedule 10 appointments. Going with the mindset of time sense, say, hey, how would I go on go in if I had to schedule a hundred? Now I'm, you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. w- I took that in and put it in journalism because instead of waiting that, like if I just did one story every three weeks, then my progression is just like it's just average. It's going at like a slow pace. But by doing three, um, three stories every, uh, three stories for every time that I was supposed to turn it in or whatever i'm like i'm i'm now tripling my progression but at the same time i think as, as a journalist that it's unique is like you're putting yourself in different situations every time so yeah. that's one thing in, is, is as a reporter you need to put yourself different situations because like every every story is not the same different editing situations and like you know you, you're just yeah. putting yourself through more so it's just like you're learning faster it's coming quicker you're developing on the ground and uh, i mean at the and then and when you're tripling your your work ethic you're like forcing yourself your schedule is different. You're, you're becoming also like a different person during that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's just like not talked about. I don't know why it's not like I think.
0: I think, too, because the field of journalism is changing so rapidly with technology, too. Like you said, social media is your best friend. But I think even when I was in college, you know, I graduated in 2018. Even, um, you know, for those four years leading up to that, like, yeah, social media was a thing. but. I don't think that we really realized how much yeah, Twitter was I'm still was learning. Matter. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to use Twitter now. Yeah. So it's not like uh, <laughs> I know you're I, a boomer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, st- it's, I'm still mastering. But no, yeah, yeah, you're right. We yeah. we didn't even know the impact of like what we could do mm-hmm. with it.
0: You know? Yeah, I was just telling you this the other day. Um, in 2017, I was doing a semester in New York, and I interned at um, one of the news outlets over there, International Business Times. And I I was walking to work one day i remember this i was walking to work and this was when trump had just put in that muslim ban so 2017 um so i'm walking to work and i'm just seeing you know hundreds of protesters like marching and i just like pull out my phone i'm like recording i'm all sending it to my friends like huh? Oh, look at this like this is what's going on in new york that's right like, now all that's news. and it's like i still have that footage and i could have put that on twitter like who knows i could have started you know doing some, is, some field work is, like, <laughs> international
1: news would have probably bought that clip just exactly. because like people are dying to be there you're right there in new york but like i literally just walked yeah. by
0: them went went to work on my way and it's like i think like i said it's, know, it's, it's it's that
1: it's college it's, thing where it's like mm-hmm, you know it and, you and it's not just in journalism level. it's whatever you do you know people just when they're in school they still they still uh see themselves as a student it's like now you just got to like go in and and like hone in and like i said you could just Create this huge online resume mm-hmm. like we got to like super start unique. thinking of everything as a competition again i think like we got mm-hmm. away from that like it, where you know i don't know if it was a school system media where it was like hey everyone wins and everyone gets yeah. trophies that's just not the <laughs> that's just not the case yeah. um so you have to like definitely in media and journalism you got to like separate yourself from the pack and in any way you can because it's like it's super hard to it's not, even yeah. a, it's not easy at all
0: i want to go back to what you said about putting yourself in different situations because i think you've done a really good job at kind of making yourself this very versatile journalist, right, where you were just in D.C. this year covering the riots, uh, covering the protests, um, and even, you know, and then you switch up, and you're in a suit, and you're covering the <laughs> election. You're on the election trail, right, covering Trump yeah. rallies and um, different different things like that. And so can you talk about, I guess, kind of how, how that affects you? Like one week, you know, you're... Kind of going undercover, and you're being very careful, and you're in dangerous situations. And then the next week, you're in a suit, and you're all good, and everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk to the media at the Trump rally, right? Um, well, I guess we don't know, but <laughs> you know, it, it changes. But um, how how are you able to kind of like mentally just switch up? Is it like what do you do in your downtime? How do you just ha- just describe that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, every um, like I said, every situation is different, so. If it's, if it's more like we're doing like right coverage, um, then you're not, for instance, like you're not like prepping as in like doing as much studying, if that makes mm. sense. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're covering obviously a Trump rally, you're studying before because you want to see, you what know, like voters. just what the key mm-hmm. issues is around that time. And you'll, you'll do more like, you know, like the stand ups. And so you'll it's more like game preps. So you're like you're studying more, you're going over like keynotes. Um, you know that you're going to do stand ups, you're going to be in front of camera. So that's like another thing that you kind of just get, get, get ready for. Um, when it's the the ride stuff, it's just like you're just getting into like a killer mindset. Like it's just you're not looking at notes, obviously, because you're not <laughs> going to be speaking in front of camera. So you don't but have wait, to worry I want, about that. I want to talk that. about that. Like
0: what I'm sure people wonder like, oh, why why is this? Why is the footage so chaotic? Why aren't you doing a stand up? Why aren't you interviewing people? Can you can you explain just the atmosphere of why some of those things aren't possible?
1: Um, well, look, I can't speak for everybody else. But yeah. just for for us, it's just that um, when like the ride start off in. In uh in May, I mean, just instantly, like anyone that's like associated with like the Daily Caller, mm-hmm. they just like look for you out in the field. So that for me, that I I didn't know that was the case. You know, like I was learning that on the street. Like I was learning, I thought that you know we'd be on the ground and we could live stream, and they're like, no, we can't even live stream because they like monitor the live streams. They they look for, uh um you know when we're on the ground. I believe like like my first like two weeks, just even reporting on the ground. I remember I was with like Shelby Telcos. She got attacked on the ground, mm-hmm. and that also just it just kind of like. You just have to keep adjusting so for us you know we get like targeted that thing especially for like the type of reporting that we do is just changing up the game i think you know before we all kind of came on the scene black lives matter just got like the regular coverage of you know they just march and they had like the chance and but you never you didn't see them what like attacking the reporters even yeah. then it started off with like businesses and property and people's houses so it's just um you know it's just when you're when you're just on the other side i guess for some reason you know it's just the way it is i mean just for us you know like um so yeah so it's just once again it's just like mentally it's just a it's a it's a whole it's a whole different thing um you know you just gotta know like your awareness has to be up it's more just kind of it's almost like if you're getting ready to like play like a big championship game i guess like you're just getting like zoned in mentally mm-hmm. you just want to make sure that you're like as aware as possible because you know anything could happen anytime you're just trying to be sharp um sometimes there's a lot of a lot of talking and sometimes there's are not between like the other reporters that, that you're with um but yeah it's just a, a completely different thing you know when i like, we did the 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 campaign rally stuff and obviously like i said you're studying more it's more about going over you know information you're speaking to voters it's obviously more friendly so you're just your guard is down um but yeah it's the it's the best of both worlds so i get to i don't i can't complain i get to enjoy both and there's
0: not a lot of people who can do that you know who can put themselves into both so i think it's it's good that you're able to have that range for sure um don't think, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about you know because of your coverage of um, BLM protests and Antifa protests, things like that. Because your coverage isn't soft hitting journalism, and it is a little bit more critical sometimes at the Daily right. Caller. Um, you you told me uh, I think like last week that you actually lost some some friends that you grew up with because of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like the 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 thing is, I don't even really blame uh, them if that makes sense. It's just like we're in a we're in a crazy time with uh with the country I think we're so divided and like the mm. the black lives matter movement in may just kind of kicked off like a culture war and you know it's almost like you gotta pick a side like if you're if you're for blue lives matter then you can't be black lives matter and it's just you know I think it's, it' you know it happened to everyone's households with friends it's not just me but um yeah look it just got uh it just got crazy divided and I think people don't I think for regular people who are like not you know journalists and like maybe uh, political junkies or like news junkies I think they can't distinguish the difference between uh black lives matter the saying and then black lives matter like ink mm-hmm. you know they 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 don't get that there's a difference between the 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 two so i think that's just a big issue um but at the end of the day it's uh you know we're we're just in we're just in a in, in crazy divided times it doesn't matter you know what 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 you say people will you know they already kind of pick their their side and if you're not on that side then it's, uh That's it. That's it. (laughs) Got to hit the high road.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to touch a little bit more on that. I mean, just as far as journalism, I know you and I talk about this a lot already, but um, just the direction and the rise of independent journalism a little bit away from legacy media and and corporate media world um, and what that looks like because I think you and I are kind of in this like weird limbo transition state of what journalism might look like in the future, but we're not kind of... I guess the face of it yet if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um we're kind of in this weird like okay, we're in we're in demo mode. Like this is just a small version of it. But I mean with what we're seeing so far and I think it's really evident too in the footage that you capture and then seeing how corporate media will will report on it, right? I think that's mm. super that's super interesting to me. Um, but I guess for you like what are what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on Big media versus like these smaller news outlets popping up, like Scriber and Daily Caller, and, and these different outlets, um, you know, kind of springing up. What do you think that we have a sufficient audience to push this model kind of into a into the future?
1: Uh, I mean, I I think so. I think um, I think like legacy media has like another like good five years, and I think that that will probably be non-existent. Um, like, MSNBC, a lot of their, their nights nice that they had, like, good ratings, it was just, like, a lot of the nights nice that they actually just, like, went super hard at Trump. And, like, I don't know what MSNBC does, like, under, like, a, a Biden, Biden administration. Um, I think Fox News is also—they're not in—they're for sure not in danger. Like, they're still a juggernaut, but, uh, I mean— if if a year ago you told me that hey like newsmax and one america could like yeah. really come in like you know give it give it like a run for its money, i would think you're crazy so it's just it's just interesting you know i think it's changing so fast i don't have all the answers i mean media yeah. changes every every day you know um now joe rogan is seen as a like a gatekeeper of media you he know he gets
0: more views than yeah, a lot like, of these yeah and some people too. look
1: at it, look for him for news to be honest um mm-hmm. tim pool is becoming one of those people that like uh, are becoming like a gatekeeper in media so it's just um it's interesting it's changing quick um like i said if you're like a reporter journalist it's like a time to kind of like build your brand in a way mm-hmm. i think um like the legacy media is just losing so much trust so quick that um that, that honestly, if you could just come up and do good, honest work, you you're gonna get a, a some type of audience. You know, like even you know, last year Scribes already kind of making a big a big progression, um, and I think people are looking for that new content. They're super hungry for it. If it, you know, definitely what where we're seeing everything now. And um, I mean, I, I really I'm I'm curious to like where six months whatever it'll be from now. Um, but I, like I said, if you're um, a journalist, this is like a time where like you could literally be in your room and have zero followers on Instagram and Twitter and still start to like you know, develop and, and, and become something. But, uh, yeah, we're in some interesting times. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm kind of glad just to be in this big wave. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be in there because uh, if I did sports, I would not be in this kind <laughs> yeah, of mix, no. you know.
0: It's it's really interesting, though, because, I mean, like you said, Newsmax, OAN, you know, right-side broadcasting. <laughs> we were just talking about this. It's, it's like people want – they say that they want honest news, right? There's a group of people that say they want honest, nonpartisan news, right? But then – when Fox kind of comes out and says something inflammatory maybe to their base, their base might not agree with, like, for example, when Biden won Arizona and announcing that Biden won the, the presidency, you know, their audience went crazy. Right. You know, we're seeing this mini boycott going into these other um, these other outlets that won't really critique much of the conservative movement or, or Trump in general. Do you think I, – I mean, I think – when I see that the first thing I think is like the the right is kind of starting to do what the left is doing with their with their media, right? What are what are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's just uh like I said, I've just been interesting to like kind of sit back and, and take it in. Um yeah, same thing. It's like people, you know, I've seen people tweet, you know, I, I want unbiased news. I only watch like Newsmax and One American <laughs> News Network, but and then and, you know, you got to know it like well then you don't really want unbiased news and I don't know. Like like I said, I'm just I'm kind of just shocked where everything is going. I think it's very. Um, I feel like it's very. It's for me, like very polarized. yeah, for me, like I don't yeah. like it just because it's just now it's becoming where like if you don't tell me that my guy is awesome, then I'm I'm switching you off and I'm turning the uh, turning this new channel. This guy is awesome. Like so many people uh, t- try to turn on Tucker for for his like reporting on like Sydney and all that stuff. And um, I mean, so far he's he's been right about the the whole mm-hmm. thing. And and uh, people try to cancel Tucker for. Um, just for 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 being critical and it's just like damn it's like so all that work that he put in before that just doesn't mean anything just because that one that one Mm -hmm. show that's it so i don't like like i said it's just it's it's really interesting where things are going i don't know where we're going maybe i think one thing that we're not maybe looking at is maybe like the the effects that the culture war played and now more maybe people are you know more about their side more than ever we're 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 in really critical times and i think people forget like we're we're like, uh, you know, borderline on on some civil war stuff. I mean, from the stuff that I've been seeing in, on the summer, I think if, you know it's just crazy. So I think maybe that the culture war played a role in it of, of just where we are. And like I said, we're just so divided. Like, mm-hmm. you just have to pick a side. And and um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you turn on MSNBC and CNN, they won't be critical on Biden. Um, Fox is now like in this weird spot because like they they're critical on Trump, and then like you said, you know, they 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 lose a huge, you know, chunk of their viewership. You turn on you know, you one American news and go Newsmax, th- you know, it's it's all positive. On Trump, you won't even hear anything negative. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know where we're, where we're going. And uh, news is changing, too. It's not even what it mm-hmm. used to be. We're not going to... People say they want, like, the old-school boring news. To be honest, I had hope in that. I don't even think it's going to go there anymore. No, um, I think, people, it's I think
0: people, people gravitate to things that get them worked up. Yeah. Or arouse some kind of excitement, whether that's good or bad. Um, but... No, you're, you're absolutely right. It, and, you know, it's we have to remember, too, the job of the journalist. one of the jobs of the journalists is to, you know, hold those in power accountable. We're supposed right. to have kind of this adversarial relationship with politicians and with people in power, and we can't be kind of, like, cuddled up in bed with them. And, you know, I, I, think, I think that a lot of the left-wing media thought that that's what they were doing covering the Trump administration. And while maybe some of their critiques and things they were put on might have been um, true or what or whatnot? There was just still so much that they left out, and I think that's where we saw the disconnect between the media and like the working class people who were voting for Trump. And I think we saw that again in the polls, you know. Um, yeah, and I Republicans knew. picked up a lot of House seats too, so it's just we're seeing like this. I don't know. I, I you talked about this the other day. Like, there's just a disconnect between big media and the middle working class people and their voices, and nobody is going on the ground and in these communities and talking to them and interviewing them and seeing what issues are important to them. And, you know, a lot of the journalists now are just reporting from their offices. They're looking on social media, looking Mm -hmm. at what's trending. They're looking at what other journalists are are filming and kind of making they're just going with the narrative, but they're not actually going down and doing the work. So,
1: yeah, I think, uh, you know, the the huge issue is now living in D.C. myself and seeing it for a bit is just, um, you know, the media and the politicians, they they all hang out together. So that's just a huge issue. It's like the people that you're holding accountable. Yeah, you're you know you're getting steaks dinner and and enjoying wine with. So it's just a it's just a huge uh, circle. Um, And Then all the media, you know, and and it's just like they're basically it's it's just a a big circle. It's like a big um, it's like a big funnel. It's just and you can't get in. Like you know if you're if you're like Anderson Cooper, what I'm saying is like it's now gonna be 10 times easier for him just to get his kids into the same jobs and like it's just you know it's just basically trapped in for the elite if you don't go to georgetown in these big schools um, then you can't get in if you don't go to northwestern as a journalist student you're not going to get into Mm -hmm. dc and i think that's just a a huge thing is like you know the people who are supposed to reporting on like the issues are going on in in america middle america they all you know grew up with money affluent and they just don't know anyone else who's struggling so then all their friends are eating everyone is making money and you don't realize that in the pandemic and look i'm not saying just cuz you, you grew up like that you can't report anything you know like tucker he he grew up affluent and you right. know he 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 tells the middle class story pretty well but um you know being in dc you get you get disconnected and and even me you know i was in there for for you know the these last few months and um you for, you forget how bad the pandemic is yourself because in dc no one's losing their job everyone's doing good everyone in the media still employed that you know everyone and they know you know that whole thing, um, you know, you don't know how, how bad people are struggling, and then, you know, like I said, as soon as I got here for, for Thanksgiving, uh, just to visit my family back in California, I just drive through my, my hometown, and then, you know, my hometown it's all family business, just seeing everyone is, uh, you know, everything is closed down, all the servers losing their jobs, all the gyms in my hometown are closed, so those jobs are gone, and just... It just seeing decimated people here are not can't put food on the table it's super sad it's like you know like interviewing the, you know interviewing mm-hmm. the, the restaurant owners people cried in front of my face people had to lay off the majority of their uh, employees on thanksgiving week that's not something you see in dc you know so i think that's, that's a that's a huge problem is that they just don't for some reason they don't want to tell the working class story i don't know why um it's a it's a big problem i think even like even after biden was um uh, so like the president-elect on CNN, I believe like the, the three days later, I f- forgot what TV host, she came on and then compared Trump to like Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And it's just like one of those things, it's like, um, you know, there's just this huge disconnect and like you just got to like, literally just go out to these places just talk to people like why do you vote this way you know and you go to Michigan that you know you'll you'll talk to the folks in Michigan they you know they they'll vote because um, during the Biden uh, an Obama administration their their automobile jobs got, got got shipped to China you know so they they've seen their shops their their jobs shipped that you know you go to uh, you go to Ohio and there's like not enough uh, like there's so much foster kids, there's not enough parents to even take the foster kids because the divorce is so, the divorce rate is so high because the unemployment rate is so high. Men lose their jobs, family families fall apart. It's just this huge thing, and like they don't they don't get it. And I think um, it's just man, it, like I said, it's just uh, the the rich are getting richer here in the U.S. and like the poor are getting poor. It's not good. I think especially here in California. I mean, it, it couldn't be a bigger difference between like you know you drive East LA then go to Silicon Valley. It's right. just a just a huge difference. So. Um, i'm i feel like hopefully and I, I know i said this before but um that's why i think hopefully what i'm doing can at least break that cycle like me cracking into dc at the daily cause not supposed to happen like a kid from a community college you know my, mm-hmm. both my parents parents are working class my mom you know works in a food kitchen my dad's a trucker so um i think when people like that could break in you could you have hope at t- telling that middle class story but like i said i mean if, if the people in media are all elite and connected and they're well off then you're never gonna you're never gonna hear that story because they, they cannot relate with you they don't their friends are not struggling they're, they're, they're doing good they're ordering wine <laughs> delivery and life is great you know yeah. and a single mother in like Arkansas can't can't put food on her kids table and um, and her kids are now, now like a year behind in education. And mm. now that kid is depressed. Now she goes to the doctor and then they're uh, recommending that the kid take anti antidepress- It's just a cycle. You know, they don't, right. they will, they'll never get that. So I know I'm running here, but no, I think okay. it's important <laughs> that, like, yeah, the media yeah. sucks at that. <laughs> no,
0: I think that's something that you and I have in common too that I think really, uh, I guess, like bonded us. Like, both of our parents are immigrants, you know, right. came from third world countries struggling and, and kind of just. Made it work, and I heard you say uh, a couple days ago that you know because of that, like failure is not really an option. Like they've given us everything, and so um, this is the path we've chosen. But I think you touched on something really, um, really important. It's like there's a difference between reporting and storytelling, and I think when you merge the two together, that's that's journalism. You know, I think it's something powerful. Yeah, Yeah. that's
1: that's a beautiful thing, and um, I'm kind of just glad, like I said, at my community college that we were taught the old school like you do a voiceover and you do yeah. a stand-up and you know you you you, you, you need those, you, those you need to tell a story and look I enjoy um the riot stuff like you know being on the front line just because not everyone wants to do it I think it's important work mm-hmm. but like my favorite stuff is just like what what I've been doing like the past two weeks where yeah. it's like you're just talking to like average Americans and you're telling their story for them I think um, that's for sure like one of my favorite things about doing this so.
0: What do you think is your favorite story you've covered so far?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard to pick. Like I, you know, so sometimes on like the you're just learning. You know, each each story. I mean, um, I would have to say maybe like I said, I I like what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I really feel like that that's important. We're telling, um, an an important um. You know, working class story. I like when I what I did in twenty eighteen, where I went to Mexico mm-hmm. and like I got to interview other Salvadorans. I thought that was like a unique uh, thing for me. Um, I still just like all the riot stuff, just because. Just brings me. It just gives me. It, f- it makes me feel alive. <laughs> but no, I mean. Yeah, you're crazy. Um, I remember.
0: I, th- I remember before you left. Um, this was probably last year. You kept saying like, "I want to go cover a war to send me to <laughs> the Middle East." I was like, "Yeah, I want to go to the
1: <laughs> But no, I think my favorite thing is like maybe what I'm doing now, just because I feel like it's making a, a big, a big difference. Impact. Yeah. Yeah, it's making a, a big impact. Um, the the restaurant owners really appreciate their story being told, and I feel like we're making at least somewhat a difference there. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's my favorite stuff that I'm doing. Yeah,
0: It kind of reminds me of this quote. um, You know, a journalist's job isn't to improve society. It's our job to tell the truth. But I think in the truth that we tell and the way that we tell it and the context we put it in and uh, for our readers or our viewers, I think that that can make a difference. Um, But I think it's just such a fine line, right? Sometimes you can get really emotionally attached to stories. And you want to kind of push the narrative because you are really you know sympathetic maybe to the subject or whatever it might be so I think it's just it's a really fine line you know but I I also think you know like you said there's not a lot of journalists right now that are showing the impacts that certain policies and laws have on average people it's one thing to report on politics all day long report on COVID-19 numbers or um report on the stimulus bill but it's it's much different when you bring that human element into it and you actually talk to the people who are being impacted by these things that are being passed in dc um or at the state legislature. so um i think that's just that's yeah
1: yeah i mean i'm seeing it you know seeing it in person that you know people need a people need that that stimulus check people really need that money to come in Uh, i believe senator uh uh, republican josh halley and uh bernie sanders today we're on the were, mm-hmm. on the we're on the senate floor trying to get um they really had a, they have a proposal of that 1200 hundred dollar check i believe 2400 for a couple 500 per child and it's just like uh yeah it's just once again it just it just um you know speaks to that disconnect i think um we should be interviewing you know the working class way more and and trying to study them and finding out why you know i think like um heather lung from the washington post put out this thing where it was like uh Thinking like in the middle of America, like the uh, majority of, of Trump voters who thought that like, or the majority of voters who thought that tr- their, jo- their job was going to get automated voted for Trump and uh, mm-hmm. voters who didn't think their job was going to get automated voted for Biden. So it's just like those little things of like, w- w- you know, why would they vote this way? Understanding that. um it's just not it's just not happening and we need to like kind of just give the voice back to the people and see what they're going through and uh, I, th- I definitely think more, more than ever right now i mean people are are struggling so so bad in this. right and, and
0: they're not they're not looking at that they're not going to ask those people oh, why did you vote for trump they're automatically just kind of chunking it into this narrative we've seen the last four years of white supremacy is ruling the country and right, right. you know um trump hates gay and black people and just like all the stuff and i think that that you know four years of pumping that into somebody's mind and not actually looking at policies that are in place and seeing why people voted this way um you know i I just think that's just totally destroyed the trust like you said in our media the last four years it's just been a circus
1: well like i said like uh it it works you know with cnn and 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 they pushed it it ended up working because you know you'll talk to americans and uh and if they think that Trump won because of racism, then you know they they, they don't understand at all. Uh, you know what what happened, but um, yeah, I mean it's just a it's just a crazy situation. I think um, you know they they the job is obviously to inform, and obviously we're we're way past that with like the the mainstream. That's why I think legacy media just has like another five years. I think um, Trump actually kind of injected. Like some life into them because they they you know they gave CNN MSNBC mm-hmm. the ammo to go on offense and then their viewers right. wanted it you know the viewers turn it on they want to see Rachel Maddow going hard and and Don Lemon on, on, and all that stuff so um, I think Trump gave them like an, a a lifeline Absolutely. a little bit but under a Biden administration what it's just it it's be? just gonna dip I mean yeah. people are not gonna turn on the TV I mean even um, you know majority of the people that watch MSNBC are actually in um, have you know make make higher income and they all said they just want another boring presidency so that's what you're going to get mm-hmm. under Biden I think I was, I've already been seeing stuff where they are they're like a war. Well, um, did
0: you see? I mean, we, we all saw this where they were just praising that Biden had an all-female communications team. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. Trump already has yeah, that. Yeah, nice. All-female.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's all,
0: like, yeah. okay, cool. But like, you, you didn't report that on, on Trump four years ago. Yeah. So, th- yeah, that,
1: that's what I'm talking about. It's, <laughs> it's just it's that it's they're just going to win on the, very, the identity of politics. It's
0: very PR-like. Um, and I think they've built this brand of just inflaming people the last four years. They're, they're getting those clicks. They're making those headlines. It's going to make somebody click on it to it makes somebody upset. Um, so it is going to be really interesting <laughs> to see how, how they do. But, I mean, it just makes me think of, um, I was listening to one of Megyn Kelly's podcasts. And she was talking to a journalist from MSNBC in 2016. I think it was um, one of Obama's last White House dinners, galas, or whatever it was. And, you know, all these journalists got invited. And Megyn Kelly was talking to this journalist. And she was like, hey, like, how are you? And he told her, I'm on a sinking ship called MSNBC and it's like they MSNBC was losing their their viewership a lot. They were mm-hmm. laying off people and I think a lot of corporate media was going through the same thing and then Trump came in office and it gave them something to to talk about but in in doing so they've really harmed i think just people's trust.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Like I said <laughs> uh they they I don't think it'll be here um uh legacy media uh, is going to be here much longer but uh yeah, Trump Trump gave him that that lifeline. I still think they're going to talk about him after, but I
0: think so too. Cuz I the way I see it is like obviously Trump isn't really going anywhere. I mean, so they are I think the way that they're going to cover Biden is they're going to compare Biden's policies to Trump. They're going to find some way to put Trump in the yeah. headline just so people will click on it and be like Biden does this. And, and I want to make and, um
1: also thing too is like MSNBC and CNN they're they're not just like super biased against uh like the Republicans and like Trump. I mean, they're 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 uh, against anyone, even on the progressive left, that just thinks right. outside of like the establishment left. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like dude, Andrew Yang got like no love in the primaries and th- during the and debates. And he in yeah. California. Yeah, they uh, they barely gave any airtime to Bernie, and uh, they really treated him for Tucker Carlson treated Bernie Sanders better than CNN. Well, MSNBC. Bernie that was gonna, gonna be something. the favorite. Um, yeah, Jamal. Bo- <laughs> I, I think Jamal Bowen. Jamal Bowen was just on. CNN like a week ago and he was being critical of like uh, Ream, uh Emmanuel, and CNN did the thing where they like pretend they lost connection on him. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just it's also against against the progressive left. It's not just the Republicans. So um, I think and you know, think
0: it's anything. Yeah, mainstream. And, and,
1: and I think, you know, the media on the right needs to also do a better job of like educating folks on. Uh, on people, on why people vote uh, Democratic, you know this right. whole thing of like, oh, Just they're all chunking, communists yeah, and socialists, and ah, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like, enough. like, yeah. uh, like, you know, today, you know, make folks understand why Josh Hawley, a Republican, and uh, Bernie Sanders, which he's uh, registered as an independent, but you know, uh, make it, you know. Educate the audience of why a Republican and Bernie Sanders came together and fought for direct payments. You mm-hmm. know, to you know why? Why yeah. you know talk about populism on the left, which is Bernie, and the populism on the right, which is a Josh Hawley, and like mm-hmm. start you know s- educate folks on like why why is America actually going more more that way? I mean, you could even go even on Twitter and whatever, and people don't uh, Trump voters don't necessarily re- re- uh, support the Republican Party. You know, they're mm-hmm. no, they're they're for Trump. He, so he yeah, <laughs> so that, that that lets you know that yeah. like.
0: There's a shift that, happening on Yeah. Both. And there's
1: there's civil there's civil wars on both uh, Republicans and the Democratic Party. It's interesting. They're both going more populism. They're mm-hmm. going both um I think I mean, you know, Josh we got like Republican Josh Hawley who wants to keep spending money uh to help American workers, which I think, you know the old school republican is like doesn't want to spend money fiscally conservative so lot, lots changing and it's uh it's interesting i think and then the thing is media is just not doing a good job of educating folks on why yeah. politics is where it's at and you know like the big thing is just why people vote the way they vote we've got to understand on both sides i think i think each side could do better
0: yeah it's super tribal super super tribal and i mean just a few days ago um Congresswoman casio cortez she like launched this homework helper program for um, kids in the inner city I think in her district um, and you know there wasn't a lot of coverage on it I think there I saw like two articles on it but it was like look this is you know a congresswoman that everybody's hating on but she's actually doing more for these kids that are failing school because right. of distance learning you know their parents have to go to work um, you know so um, I just think you know that, that adds on to what you're saying it's like this is why people are, are going this way because they seem some of them seem like they they're the only ones that care about the working class whether you agree with the method or not you know
1: yeah so I mean look media is just adding to the divide and uh you know hopefully maybe with the new media that's coming out hopefully we can start kind of bringing both sides of the table and just talking issues um I think at the end of the day we're, we're we're I think we're starting to see that I think especially in California because with this whole thing with like the lockdowns um you know, when you interview these restaurant owners, it's not even about politics. It's literally no. just about economy. Like now folks literally and, can't eat. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, whether you're right and the left, I think you could just, you could get behind just Americans, you know, wanting to put food on the table or, or at least if you're going to lock them down, then give them some type of, of, of you know, helpline. So something's happening. Um, I, I don't know what it is exactly, but something's, you know i think people are starting to really call out and realize like the hypocrisy of the like the ruling class i think that was like mm-hmm. something that was like five years ago folks wouldn't talk about it, but i think the pandemic made people realize how much power some of these folks have and then i think seeing them like set the rules and then not not them, right. i think woke woke a lot of people right. up but that's what, what, what's what been interesting is like even that's what i've been taking away about my restaurant story is just like you know folks are like yo this is not politics like we literally just want to put food on the table now it's getting to a point where we're like we're losing livelihoods we're forced to protest now you have you know owners like like debating whether they're gonna keep open and face fines and and stuff like that so um like i said that's it's an interesting thing i think um you won't hear that in the mainstream so no. and that's that's a beautiful thing when you're kind of like on the on the ground helping people i think another story that I'm trying to shine a light more shine a light more on is that you know the beauty of uh of americans kind of coming together during this time and like Doing, doing GoFundMes and like donating to people at the, re- you know, trying to just keep these servers and, and businesses from like going under. And it's just sad. Like there are, you know, Americans are doing more than like Gavin Newsom is to help out mm. some of these folks. So yeah, it's interesting times. And, um, you know, who, who knows what, what happens uh, next with media too. so,
0: Yeah. All right. I have another question. Um, do you think that objective journalism can be done? Is it possible for somebody, so let's say, you know, may, let's, let's say I come up to you and I'm like, George, I want to be, or Jorge, sorry, I <laughs> come back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to be an objective journalist. I'm an objective journalist. Like, what what comes to mind? Do you think that's possible?
1: Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, look, at the end of the day, everyone has their their biased, um, but it's definitely it's definitely possible. It's not something like that's like out of the out of the realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely possible I think you just got to be committed to holding both sides accountable. Um I mean, I can only speak from like a personal like for me I just hate yeah. both sides. <laughs> um and just seeing how they screw over people. So I think if you maybe come at it from that angle cuz you have good, to hold that's folks a good accountable. Place you, to be, yeah, you have you to know? I think we forgot about like you have to hold the power accountable so That's um, like the core. Yeah, you know. so for me <laughs> that's that's all the way I could speak of you then like I said just uh I think just seeing regular folks keep getting screwed over makes me want to hold them more like accountable if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so i mean it's it's definitely possible like i said uh but it's tough i mean like i said we're in a we're in a culture war i know i know like a bunch of friends like their households is like split you know like families families don't 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 talk to each other because of george floyd stuff so i mean look uh it's definitely possible i think you just have to have a passion for it and uh just know the reason that you're doing it for and uh yeah hopefully we can see that new wave come come back up
0: yeah i agree i think i think um like you said like us as journalists we have our biases and i and you know we can never be 100 percent completely objective but i think that the method in which that we're reporting stories needs to be objective right. so um you know because whatever we cover we're gonna maybe leave something out or miss something or, um and even in what we're reporting, those facts can change. So it's almost like a science, you know, we're coming at it kind of hypothetical in a way where it's like, yes, we report this one day, but the next day it could change, you know? So, um, I think in that aspect, like, yes, we're not going to be absolutely 100% philosophically correct in, in everything that we report, because like you said, like day by day, news is coming out. I just think that, uh, the way that we do it needs to need some work.
1: Yeah. And, um, (laughs) Look, I, everyone's brand is different too, you know. So you got to know exactly. what what you know, what branding. like different who you're kinds of journalism. For, different kind of yeah. journalism.
0: Uh, I think if people knew that though, they might be they might have better media literacy because right now people are turning on you know Rachel Maddow and she, you know, think that she's news and it's like, you know, she's kind of the left version of like Tucker Carlson, right? They're both kind of, uh, they're commentating opinion type of news shows, right. analytical. And then there's just hard news, so yeah, I agree. You know, you need. Sorry to cut you off, but no, no, you're good. good, (laughs) Yeah, no, we just. I think people just need to be more aware of like all the different types of journalists there are, types of media biases there are. There's just so there's so much that goes into it.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I mean, like I said, I'm just speaking from personal. I think you know, just earning. You know, when you just keep it authentic, people are gonna trust you. Know people are not stupid, so Mm. um, if you just keep it authentic. Um, is the best way but yeah i mean news is is still changing every day um i think you know from a year from now we'll we'll see where all the big guys are are at and where everyone's kind of positioned but uh it's it's changing it's changing rapid twitter's a big uh, a big part of it um
0: what do you think of of parlor and just this what's going on with the censorship stuff
1: um i don't know i mean i think. I think Twitter's going to get worse on censorship because we're already like starting to see that. Uh, the thing about Parler is just like you're it's just going to find one echo chamber there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it, it's I mean, we're, we see I even see the shadow ban on like the Daily Call. I mean, Daily Call has like one hundred ninety seven thousand subscribers on YouTube. And, you know, we'll post a video and it'll be like, I'll have like five hundred views the first few. Hours. It's just weird. You know, you just know that yeah. the numbers don't they don't don't, don't align. <laughs> um so i don't know i don't like i said everything is is is, is changing so so rampant um man i'm i'm, I'm, I'm I, that's why i'm most worried about is the censorship aspect just because of what happens in new york post um yeah i mean come on this there's this 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 no secret blatant. here that uh i mean
0: npr came out with a statement saying that they why they weren't covering yeah that's story. not like it's
1: not a secret here. i mean censorship is not gonna get better under a biden harris administration but it's,
0: it's very interesting to see like journalists <laughs> advocate for it too you know, these very progressive journalists that, that are advocating for, for censorship because they see it as um, distilling of misinformation. And it's just there's like how what is the method that you're using to come to that conclusion that what you're reading is misinformation? I mean, every single one of like Trump's <laughs> tweets now are, are flagged yeah. and a lot of other um, Republicans, but you don't see the same thing happen to you know left-wing politicians who who made lies yeah where were those uh what
1: were those warnings (laughs) for 2016 the russia stuff you know like none of those warnings popped up so yeah i mean
0: it's like if you're gonna go hard on russia like you gotta also maybe look into voting irregularities you know i'm not saying that trump won or anything but i'm just saying like you can't just call that a non-story when there's you know thousands of affidavits but you know yeah but hey (laughs) as long
1: as npr says it's not a story, so that's all good yeah we just gotta follow it yeah (laughs) We're going with NPR says.
0: Um, Okay, do you think that um, you need to go to school for journalism?
1: Uh, You don't need to go to school, but I think it's good to, like, maybe just understand, like, kind of like the basics, the old school basics. I mean, now we live, you know, you could probably learn that on YouTube, but, um, like, everyone's a different learner. Mm -hmm. For me, um, before I even went to school, I would look at editing, like, like it was like an an alien had to do it because I was like this just looks too crazy Adobe <laughs> Premiere so for me like I needed to go to school I needed yeah. to learn how to like do that in person um, so everyone's different but you know for me for me it it uh, it worked out. I just kind of needed to be in a system kind of like be with other students too and just see you know what it was but I don't think you needed it at all I mean you could you could learn it off the ground we've seen I mean there's already countless of stories of all the, yeah. the reporters that that have made it I mean and then you know countless of stories of you know, like the report like all the reporters in Mexico who like they they're like taxi drivers and they report on the side and they like teaching themselves. So it's just of course it's possible. Everyone's everyone's different. Um, at the same time you gotta understand like what journalism you wanna do. Some people just want to like write articles. Some people just want to, you know, edit videos and like not everyone wants to do the whole the whole package stuff. So do you also know what, what, what kind you wanna what kind of reporter you're trying to be if you're trying to hit all, all media sites. But yeah it's definitely it's definitely possible without school now. Cool,
0: cool. all right last thing I think um can you talk a little bit about your dad's journey to the U.S. I think I love that story (laughs) I think it's it's so great I love it
1: uh I mean it's just um um you know like both my parents are from El Salvador they grew up in the uh in the Civil War like in the 80s uh the U.S. was involved so uh yeah it it was a pretty bad war um, now that like I got to like look look back at it now that I'm older and like got to got to see it, um, yeah I think uh, I think my, like my dad was like 14 years old, kind of forced into the war, so like teenage soldier. Um, my mom grew up in like a village where like every night I believe they had to like duck on the floor because like there would be gunfire. They had militias come through, and you know my mom's just seen a lot of you know they both seen a lot of stuff. It's horrible stuff. Um, yeah, and I think um, you know uh, in El Salvador basically all those kids from like eight to like you know any kid that any boy specifically that was eight and up just was uh, was a uh, was turned into like a killer you know it's, my dad was you know trained how to basically just trained for warfare at the age of 14 and he has like these pictures of him you know like M- with mx-16s and um yeah it's a it's, uh, it's it's insane they uh you know they they grew up you know with you know and during the civil war times i think my dad was like 19 20 years old he got he got sick of it and uh ran away to the u.s uh my mom i think was like 21 and she had a like st- i think she went into like this uh kind of this truck um with like other migrants and like kind of mm-hmm. sn- you know s- uh, sneak to the board when it was a little bit easier to do that and i think she brought like my my uh my cousin she was like three years old so yeah it's just a you know crazy story you know both immigrant parents seeing um from a war war torn war torn country, um, you know, I think my you know my dad got into trucking, and you know regular working class. Um, I believe like I said, by the time 24, 25, he owned the house. Um, my mom had me uh, when she was 30. Um, so yeah, you know we were just um, I just I think it was a it was a blessing in disguise to be raised with like immigrant parents because you just know um, that it everything is like mandated. earned. There's yeah. no excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I like I said I, I've never grew up with like the um, like the whole thing of like oh you know white privilege or like the white man has this we don't or like they got to go to yeah. UCLA and we did it. you know we just didn't have you know we didn't have that everything was like my dad was just super tough it was more it was just like hey you know whoever puts the most hours in uh, first one in the office last one out was kind of like a, a, a huge mindset um, so it was awesome it was awesome I, I love it I think it was a, it's, a, it's a huge strength I think it was a beautiful thing for me too like you know, when I was eight, I wanted to learn about the war, but my dad was like, "No, no, no." Then I tell, I got older, I looked at the footage and just to understand how, you know, crazy it was during the times. Watching, um, uh, watching like eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, kind of like prepare for it and like kind of grow up and be men already. I remember, like an, in- an interview that like stuck out was like an eight-year-old who was like seeing his mom get, um, killed by soldiers like right in front of him, and then the interviewer is like asking him like, "How do you feel about that?" The guys, the kids, like cleaning a gun was like focused like had like a goal in mind it was like i'm getting revenge and it was just it was just interesting you know just to know that my parents uh you know came from that to i think it's a like i said it's a, it's a beautiful thing just because like you just feel like there's no excuses nothing can stop you um i think that's it just helped me out because i felt like i carried this thing like i was i would be guilty if like i just grew up and like just did something average like damn my parents did all of that mm-hmm. for me just to like settle Sorry. for something small so I think that always just kind of gave me like a fighting spirit of like I always wanted to do something kind of bigger than average. But um, yeah, it's awesome. It was a blessing, blessing in disguise. I I wouldn't change it for anything. It's a, it's just a, a crazy thing. And you know, hopefully, when maybe th- thing is all over here, I could go back to El Salvador and, and see, um, you know, h- how that is. But um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised my dad doesn't have PTSD or anything too crazy seems like an average guy but uh <laughs> yeah I know, I know he's seen some things i uh we, he still can't talk to me about it so we'll just be good mm-hmm. at
0: that mm-hmm. all right well Jorge, <laughs> thank you for thank coming you, on subscribers sit down um Appreciate go it. ahead and plug yourself yeah um find you.
1: ventura report is twitter uh so it's my last name and the word report on one Ventura report instagram is jorge ventura tv then you know anything else you could just put daily doc, you know daily call report ventura you could pretty much find anything uh, you know all my stuff related but yeah check it out I think I uh, think you like it hopefully <laughs> and uh, yeah it's some good stuff
0: awesome thank you cool cool.